Hebrews 3 and verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation, in the day of temptation, in the wilderness. Now, I may call your attention as we read to the word tempt and temptation. In the Hebrew and in the Greek, uh, a, a very good word for these words is test or testing. Keep that in mind. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation in the day of temptation or in the day of testing in the wilderness when your fathers tempted me or tested me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Now did you hear that? They tested him. They tempted him. For forty, and they saw his works. They did this for a forty year period. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation. Now let's stop right here. Does God like you testing him? No. Get that real straight, real clear right now. <laughs> for one thing, how would we be qualified to test him? Huh? But people do it all the time. All, they did it. They did it repeatedly. People are doing it today. It's a huge mistake. He said, I was grieved with that generation, and I said, they do always err in their heart. They've not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. And let me just pause right here. God can get mad. You don't want him that way. I'm telling you, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You, you think you feel intimidated in the presence of a whale or, uh, you know, something like that. Well, what about the one who made them? I'm telling you, a, a lion's roar is nothing beside the wrath of God. And that'll curl your hair, especially in the jungle at night. But it's nothing beside the, the wrath of God. You, you don't want him angry. You don't, you don't even want him perturbed with you. <laughs> he loves us. But he can get angry with, with situations. And uh, one thing about it, his patience is so great that when yours is gone and you think for sure he's mad about it, his patience has just begun. Barely begun. He's that way with other people. He's that, that way with you. I mean... You know, he'll take things centuries, some things, before he, he's had enough of it. Other things, how many saying it was 40 years on this thing that they experienced the, the final judgment that the first generation didn't go in? They had opportunities all along that time and much time before that. But he was grieved, and in his anger and his wrath, he said it. They will not enter into my rest. That was a very serious thing. And he goes on, he says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now see, he immediately starts applying this to us. The reason why we have the Old Testament, and it is still so very important to us, is not only the accuracy of the history and that it is, it is faith-giving, life-giving words, but also all of these things are types for our faith walk in life today. Exact types. And answers to a myriad of questions are there. I know reading 
Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy some years ago. I was reading through there. And just the, you know, the chronology and the history of how that they came out of Egypt and he brought them through. And, I mean, they make the same mistakes again and again. And it's almost like, you know, like you're watching a movie or something and you're going, they're, you know, the, the, the monster's in the room and they're about to open the door and you're going, don't open the door. Don't. Don't do it. You know, and after a while, if you really get into, you know, maybe you don't enjoy your Old Testament that way. You should. But if you really get into it, you get to the place where you're going, don't. Don't grumble again. Just don't. No, you saw it happen last time. Zip it. Just zip it and thank God. You want to stay out here forever? But no, they got to open their mouth and gripe and complain and bellyache and spend another 38 years out there. And so reading that, I just really got into it. This is several years ago. I really got it. And I'm thinking, God, what was wrong with these people? He said, they're a whole lot like y'all. No, no. And then he began to bring scriptures to me. These things are written as examples to you and types and for you. Amen. He lifts us. He he lifts them up to us repeatedly as examples saying, don't let this happen to you like it happened to them. Don't do this like they did. Why would he say this to us if it's not relevant? It is completely relevant. All of these things are applicable to us in our faith walk right now. Aren't they? They're quoted in the New Testament, applied to us in the New Testament. Hebrews is in the New Testament. Correct? All right. He said, take heed, brethren, lest that kind of evil heart of unbelief, we could say, it be in you, in departing from the living God. Lest, lest you act like that. Lest it be that way with you. But exhort each other daily, while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. You know, God doesn't tell us not sin to, to spoil our fun. Sin, the wages of sin is death. And one of the most terrible things that happens as you enter into a life of sin and you practice sin as a Christian is that you dull yourself. You deceive yourself and you dull yourself until you are confused about what you confuse your own spirit about what's God and what's not God and you dull yourself to where you can't hear from God. How many understand hearing from God is one of the most vital, important things that there is in life? I mean, don't you feel the same? I mean, from the time I opened my eyes in the morning, uh, to start my day to the end of it, I'm wanting to know direction, right? I have concluded that I don't have enough up here to make all these decisions on my own. I need help, and I have help, but I got to hear from him, and I got to know it's him. And one of the terrible things about sin is it will confuse you, it will dull you, it will harden you, it will deceive you. No, no temporal pleasure of sin is worth the price you pay in your fellowship with God you know yeah you know you might be caught up in the pleasure of it for a few moments but after it's over how you feel for the rest of the day and the rest of the week and if you keep going the rest of your life which will be short and miserable no it pays to obey and live right he goes on to say 
For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it said, Today, if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Does this have any application for us? Totally. Keep reading. Chapter 4, verse 1. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. See, gospel means good news. And they had the good news of Canaan's land preached to them, didn't they? It's yours. God's given it to you. Amen. And as we see in just a moment, it was God had prepared for them before the foundation of the world that they, the first generation of the Israelites delivered from Egypt, they were supposed to go into Canaan's land. He'd already ordained it, already planned it. Do you understand that not everything that God plans for people comes to pass? Because even though it's his perfect will, he has to have some cooperation. And as you'll see in a moment, he has to have a legal basis for the promotion. Did you hear that? He wants, you know, no father, no mother, no parent ever wanted to bless, to promote, to prosper their children as much as God does. I mean, his heart yearns for it. His eyes are going scanning, and he's got a good scanner, throughout the whole earth, wanting to pick up, amen, those who have the right and the full heart towards him so that he can do exploits and so that he can demonstrate his power on their behalf. He wants to. I mean, we can't imagine it, but what if you were a multi, 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 multi trillionaire? And you had all the connections in the world, and you had all these things. What would what would be your after a while? I mean, you you can only drive so many cars and have so many houses and all that kind of. It won't take you long. What are you going to want to do? Especially if your heart's right. You want to bless somebody. You're in, and you got the ability. Amen. God delights in showing mercy. That that's His thing. You know what I mean by, you know what God, what makes God happy? When people will let him bless them. This pleases God. This makes him happy. This is what ministers to him. When people will let him save them, when people will let him heal them, it makes God happy. So make God happy. Let him bless you. Amen. And he wants to do more and more and exceeding more. Don't balk. Don't limit. Just let him bless you because it makes him happy. Just do it for his benefit, if nothing else. <laughs> Just say, well, I really got more than I need. But go ahead, God, if it blesses you, you know, pour out some more. <laughs> he's really this way. This is not just going. He, he's this way. This is how he is. I mean, you know what he's going to do in the ages to come? Ephesians, in the ages to come, he's going to reveal and manifest and show us the exceeding riches of his grace. He gets kicks out of this. You know where we'll be a million years from now? 
time won't be like it is now, but we, you know, we will have seen a lot of stuff. We will have been a lot of places, done a lot of things. <laughs> Way out beyond what we know now. And just about time you think you have seen it all. God's going to go, you like that? We're going to go, yeah, we like that. He's going to go, look at this. We'll all go, ooh, ah, wow. We'll do that for a century or so, and then we'll enjoy it. And then it's about time you think nothing could top that. He said, you like this? We go, yeah, we like this. He'll say, look at this, watch this, and he'll reveal some more He's going to do this in the ages to come. Age after age. He's never going to run out. That's how big he is. He's never going to peak. Never will we have to go back to some reruns. Because God is God. Aren't you glad you're on the right team? Man, how am I going to get to this if I keep doing this? You're believing when they're right. Let's keep reading. Verse 2. To us the good news was preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I've sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although... The works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place, if they shall enter into my rest. Seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Let me recap this now. God says there is a rest. And it was foreordained that these people, these first generation of Israelites, go into this rest, Canaan's land, which typifies it for us. But he also wants us to see that though it was foreordained for them, they didn't get into it because of their unbelief. And he's warning us. He goes on to say it again. Verse uh, 7, again, he limits a certain time, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it said, Today, if you will hear his voice... Harden not your hearts. For if Jesus, or really that's Joshua, Yeshua, had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest to the people of God. He's only said this about three or four times. You sense this is important. Said out loud, there is a rest to the people of God. Let's say it again together two or three times. There is... A rest to the people of God. Again. There is a rest to the people of God. One more time. There is a rest to the people of God. Hallelujah. There is a rest. And he that has entered into his rest has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest lest any man should fall after the same example of unbelief. Hallelujah. Now, go ahead and go to 1 Corinthians 9. I'm pausing to see if I've got enough time to do all this, but go ahead. 1 Corinthians 9. 
And uh, the last verse, verse 27. Paul says, by the Spirit, the Spirit of God says, God's talking to us. 9.27, 1 Corinthians, But I keep under my body, I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. This word means uh, reject, refuse. A good word is disqualified. Now, if you, if you read the previous verses, you remember he's talking about athletic endeavors. And how that you had to do things a certain way. And he talks about disqualification in verse 27. And I understand if you don't control the lust of your flesh, the lust of your eyes, and the, the desires and the pride of life, if you just yield to everything that crosses your mind and, and every impulse you have, you can disqualify yourself from certain things. And Paul, even though he had been caught up to heaven, He'd seen the Lord. He had untold revelation in the, the gospel of Christ. He said he, concerning himself that if he didn't keep his body under control, if he just let himself go, he could wind up disqualified. Now he keeps, this runs right into chapter 10. Keep reading. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud, passed through the sea. They were baptized to Moses in the cloud and the sea. They did all eat the same spiritual meat, drank the same spiritual drink. They drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So all these things are typical of things that apply to us today. With many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now another way of saying this, go back to 927, they got disqualified. They didn't pass the test. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. Neither be idolaters as were some of them as it's written the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither commit fornication as some of them and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither tempt Christ. Now here we're back to this. Tempt or test the anointed one. As some of them also tempted or tested, and they were destroyed of serpents. Don't murmur as some of them murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen to them for examples. They're written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. There has no temptation, no testing taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful. He will not suffer or allow you to be tempted or tested above what you're able, but will with the temptation or testing make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Hallelujah. Good word. Amen. Now, in seeking the Lord, I, I am excited in my spirit. I uh, just the reason I'm pausing once in a while, I'm trying to see what to get into and whatnot. This this is series material. <laughs> We're condensing it for you tonight. Um, the Lord ministered to me with this about prosperity, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. This applies in in all of our life. As far as understanding and answering dilemmas and issues of, of things that trouble us, the answer is revealed in what happened with them. Canaan's land is a type of our rest and our full blessing that we're to enjoy in Christ in this life now. Did you hear me? 
Canaan's land is not a type of heaven. I know there have been numerous songs written to that effect and messages preached to that effect. Uh, but there are no battles to fight in heaven. There are no giants and enemy to overcome and walled cities to take. You understand? It, it cannot be. No, Canaan's land, the land that flows with milk and honey, the land where there's no lack, no scarceness of any good thing, where you won't have to work like you did, you won't have to irrigate with your feet, God says, I'll just rain on it for you. Divine watering. Amen? He said, it's blessed, it's got the precious metals in the hills. He's got, in other words, God said, I have scoped out the whole earth and I picked you out of place. It's got everything. You'll love it. And it's yours. Amen? And God brought them out of Egyptian bondage and his intention was to bring them right through the wilderness. Not stay there long. Right straight through into Canaan's land where you got your own house, you furnished and paid for, and your own vineyards and your own orchards, and you just enjoy life in Jehovah. Is there a rest to the people of God today? Is there a Canaan's land? Is there a level of life where it's not the struggle that it was in Egypt? It's not the struggle that it was in the wilderness. But it is a land that flows with milk and honey. No scarcity. No lack. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about heaven, friends. I'm talking about the perfect will of God right here, right now. There is a rest for the people of God. Mm, glory to God. Are you getting this at all? I'm so excited in my spirit about it. Just, that, that phrase just keeps coming over and over in my spirit. There is a rest. Because I know there's, you know, I hadn't been in the ministry that long. Uh, 20 years, I guess. But just in those few years, it seems like, you know, man, a number of things, you're just, you're believing God with everything you know to believe God for, every day. And on some things, it seemed like you hadn't, hadn't had a break in a long time. And in seeking the Lord about some of these areas, finances, you know, we, we've always had what we need, but man... It seems like project after project, I mean, we've, we've just completed a new music project, spent a bunch of money on it. How many understand things ought to be done right? And people are always hollering about wasting money. You know, I think it's very hard to waste money on the kingdom of God. And, uh, you know, we, I'm, I'm sure, I know there are others that are a lot better, but we did the very best we knew how to do, you know. But man, I mean, when these bills were popping up and popping up and popping up, it wasn't always just there. We had to believe God and we're sowing and believing. And it's been that way with aviation and it's been that way with numerous things. And in seeking the Lord about some of these things, I was, Lord, you know, is there something I'm missing? Is this just the way it's supposed to be all the time? And he said, there's a rest. There is a rest. I'm thinking, well, uh, 
How long before you get to the rest? <laughs> he said, son, that depends on you. He said, you, you enter the rest when you pass the test. Now, if it takes you a long time to pass the test, then it takes you a long time to enter the rest. But if you pass them quickly, you enter it more quickly. Now, do not misunderstand me. You'll always have to walk by faith. You'll always have to believe God. You're never going to end this life, or I suppose in the world to come. I mean, faith, you know, faith, hope, and love is forever. Right? But the struggles, the, the just having a, a half nostril above water stuff. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, you just... Between you and four of your friends praying and sowing every dime you had and rebuking and binding in between times, you made it with two pennies extra. But don't sit out there and look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. You made it, but ah, it's a struggle. That is not supposed to be that way in areas of life perpetually. There is a rest. You'll still have to believe God, but it won't be like that. I said it won't be like that. There's a rest. Now, understand this. Everybody, say everybody. Everybody has to come out of Egypt. There ain't nobody that didn't have to come out of Egypt. That's what I grew up in church. You had to come out of Egypt. You had to be born again. Hmm? Egypt is a type of being lost. You, you don't own yourself. I understand they own their property of somebody else. They got nothing. The rags on their, their back are not even theirs. The food that they're fed is not theirs. They've got nothing. And we were that way, sold under sin. We didn't even own ourselves. But the Lord Jesus bought us, redeemed us, bought us, hallelujah, paid for us. And the wonderful thing about him, he bought us and turned around and handed us the keys to ourself and said, serve me if you want to. Don't if you don't. That's one reason I love him so much. And... Uh, Everyone has to come out of Egypt. Now here's the second part. Everyone has to come through the wilderness. Everyone. Now I've seen some of these things for years, but not as strongly. That's why I'm saying it as strongly as I am now. I mean, this is fact. This is Bible. Not just, you know, some thoughts you heard through a preacher. This is fact. Everybody, say everybody has got to come out of Egypt. And then everybody, how many? Everybody has got to come through the wilderness. Nobody gets to skip the wilderness. Jesus didn't get to skip the wilderness. If anybody would have got to skip it, he would have got to skip it. Jesus, you understand that when Jesus... You know, the time for him to step into the anointing of the earthly ministry came. He was baptized in the River Jordan, and he came up 
And the father spoke, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. The spirit came on him bodily shape and form as a dove. And immediately after that, he was led by the spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted, tested by the enemy for how many days? Now here's a tremendous thought. He came through the wilderness in 40 days. The Israelites... And he entered into the rest of that anointing on his life and was anointed with the oil of joy and gladness above his brethren. Hallelujah. And ministered healing and deliverance and miracles and did the perfect will of God every day of his life. He was in rest. There were some times, there some things that troubled him, but he didn't live like that. I guarantee you, if you'd have been, you know, why do you think John is laying his head on his chest at supper? The peace, the rest. Why do you think little kids liked it? Little kids don't like people that are spastic, <laughs> biting their nails and screaming. <laughs> that scares them. No, you know, sometimes people portray Jesus as being, you know, he went around sad all the time. You know, because of the condition of the world and, and everything. Hmm. He was anointed with the oil of gladness and joy above his brethren. He was a happy Jesus. He was, and he is. There were some things that grieved him. There were some times he cried. There were some times he prayed in agony, but it didn't last a year. It didn't last a week. Did you hear me? It didn't last all day. You'd pray it, pray it through and get up and be happy. Amen. He came through the testing in 40 days. He passed each test. You can see that. When the enemy subjected him to temptation. If you be the son of God, turn these stones into bread. He passed every test. And he came out in the power of the spirit. And he was walking in the rest. Walking in the faith. And the will of God being done. Whereas year after year, they failed the tests. Same test. Kept coming back to them. Now I want you to understand God does not believe in social promotion. If you fail the first grade 18 times and you're six foot three sitting in a little desk, you do not get socially promoted to second grade. You do not. You pass the test or you take them again. Now, if you don't know this about God, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, read it. With God, you pass the test or you take them again. And you take them again. And you take them again. And 30 years later, you can be taking them again if you're slow. <laughs> and you know, we're not going to point any fingers because a lot of us have been slow in some areas. And don't think, well, you know, I botched that up, but I guess that's the end of that. No, that test is coming around again. <laughs> Count on it. Why? Because, well, God, God, what are you, what's all these tests for? Because he wants to promote you. 
He wants to bless you. He wants you in Canaan's land. And this is the only way he can justly, fairly, legally do it. If you flunk the test and don't obey and don't do what he said, and, and don't, you flunk the test and he promoted you anyway, it wouldn't be fair. It wouldn't be right. The Romans talks about that thou mayest be justified when thou art condemned. Talking about God. There are people now that condemn God. What do you mean? They judge him. And they say, God, it's not fair. You blessed their ministry. You increased them. You blessed that sister. You gave her a new car. You put them in a new house. It ain't fair. I've been serving you twice as long. Why don't I have one? If you had passed the test, you would have it. If you had passed, boy, that went over big. Did you see how that went? <laughs> Woo! Glory! <laughs> I didn't say that. The Lord said that to me yesterday. He said, if you had passed the test, you would be there. Canaan's land. The rest. If you're not there, what does it mean? You haven't passed the test. So, I'm interested in passing the test. I do not want to take the same test over and over. Who likes summer school? Oh, Lord. No, I don't want to take the same test over and over. The Israelites took the same test. And that's what I was talking about. If you read it, start reading in Exodus. And just read through the next couple of books and you'll see very clearly what I'm talking about. The same test. The same test. The exact same test kept coming up again and again. And, you, you know, we ought to have enough sense. If you checked true last time and the answer, and you missed it, <laughs> and it comes back around and you check true again and you miss it again. And you fail that test 93 times. And you get it back at number one and you mark true again. Something's wrong with you. <laughs> You're slow. And even people that, that have multiple degrees and think they're so sharp spiritually, they do this kind of thing. Spiritually, they do this kind of thing. They, they flunk the test. And here's the problem. So many people have flunked test and flunked test and flunked test and they're not where they want to be and they're aggravated at God and they're wondering how long is it going to be before I get to Canaan's land? Well, if it had been up to him, you'd have been there 10 years ago. In or whatever your case might be. Everybody's got to come out of Egypt. Everybody has got to come through the wilderness and pass the test. And depending on how well you do and how quickly you pass the test, it's where you, when, how quickly you get to Canaan's land. It, and it's not automatic. Like with the first generation of Israelites, that first generation did not get into Canaan's land. They did not, their whole life, enter into the rest because they kept failing the test. Go with me to Exodus, please. Hallelujah. Uh, stop at Deuteronomy 8. On the way. It's on your way. Deuteronomy 8. Then we're going to Exodus 16. Everybody say there is a rest. Now do you understand what we're talking about with this? 
you will always have to walk by faith. Okay? You're going to always have to exercise your faith. You're going to always have to believe God. But there is a place. In, there, there's a level, levels of life in, in God and walking with God where it's not the struggle that it is in the wilderness. In the wilderness, they lived day to day. God met their needs on a daily basis. Hmm? They, oftentimes, they ran out. They had to have supernatural miracles to be sustained. And that was the plan of God. But it was supposed to be temporary until they learned some things and they passed some tests. And the moment that the next generation got into Canaan's land, the manna stopped. And God blessed their harvest. And they had such excess, he said, you're going to have so much that when the next crop comes in, you're going to still have, have harvest from last year that you're going to have to take out. This is not living day to day. This is not living week to week or check to check. Everybody say there's a rest. There's a rest financially and materially. There's a rest in ministry. There's a rest. Now, everybody's got to come through the wilderness. You don't jump from Egypt to the rest. You've got to come through the wilderness. But I'm telling you, it doesn't have to take a fraction of the time that it has taken many of us. Deuteronomy 8, are you there? In Deuteronomy 8, verse 2, he says, you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to prove you are to test you to know what was in your heart, whether you'd keep his commands or no. Why did he bring them through the wilderness? Was it the will of God for him to bring them through the wilderness? Yes, it was. For Jesus to go through the wilderness. Yes. The Spirit of God led him there. Why? Humble you? Prove you? I know charismatics don't like these words, but there they are. <laughs> to know what was in your heart. Whether you would obey him or not. I mean, you can boil the test down to that, can't you? You can boil all the tests down to this. Will you obey? Do what he says. And he humbled you and he suffered you to hunger. He let you get hungry. I understand they got hungry and they got thirsty. And part of it was the plan of God. Well, I thought, you know, they don't like the sound of that, but it's true. Why? It's all supposed to be real temporary. Right response, pass the lesson, let's go on. Canaan's land, forget all that. Now this, is, this, is, this should relieve you in some situations. There are some situations where you got hungry. You got thirsty. You did with that. That doesn't mean you're not living by faith. Did you hear me? That doesn't mean you're not walking by faith. It's a test. Amen? The question is, what do I do when I get hungry? What do I do when I get thirsty? What do I do when there is lack, when there is deficiency? You don't do what they did. Right? Because if you do, you'll flunk the test and you'll, it'll come up again. And it'll come up again. And you'll get hungry again. 
And you, how many understand? They wandered around out there in that hot, dry place, living day to day, depending on miracles to exist for four decades. In fact, if you read this whole thing, it's over in Numbers, I believe it is. God said that they tested him ten times. And when they did, he said, that's enough. And that's when he, in his anger, he said, they're not entering into my rest. In Psalm 105, 19, don't turn there, but it talks about Joseph. And it makes this statement. It says, until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. You ever heard people say, uh, I tried that? I tried tithing. For six months. I tried that healing stuff. Three days one time, I stayed on it. I t- I tried. I tried that confession business. I tried it. Didn't work for me. Wrong. It was not under test. You were. You didn't try it and it failed. It tried you. And you failed. And they tried to turn the tables and test God when they were undergoing a test. Now, don't misunderstand. James says, God does not tempt us with evil. And he himself is untemptable. Can't be tempted. God's never luring you to do something bad. That happens when you're drawn away of your own lust and enticed, James says. But he allows test situations. Why? So that when we pass them, he's expecting us to pass them. He's given us everything we need to pass it. He's, he's helping us. He's giving us the answers. <laughs> he is. It's an open book test. And the Holy Ghost who wrote it is standing there by the book going, check true. It's number one. I wrote the test and I wrote the book. And yet you got myriads of folk go, well, I think it's two. <laughs> and they just for the satisfaction of having their own way and doing their own thing, they get to have an extended stay in the wilderness resort. If you're smart, you'll study the book. Amen. And you'll give the book answer. No matter if you think it's different. Give the book answer. He's right. And pass the test and get out of there. About a second grade. Your knees are rubbing up against the desk. It's uncomfortable. It's funny, but it's true. It's absolutely true. He humbled you. He proved you. He wanted to know what was in your heart. He he let you get hungry. 
Did you hear that, friends? Now, I just, I just knew in my heart when the Lord said this to me, there were people that you were feeling like, there must be something wrong with me because I'm, you know, I'm trying to believe God, but man, I've experienced lack. I've come up short. I got hungry. No, it's just wilderness. It's test. Amen. And the important thing, don't, don't get hung up on that you got hungry. The important thing is respond correctly. Amen. What do you do when you're hungry? I began studying the book of Job when I was about 13 years old. I had no clue why. <laughs> I had a skin condition, and I guess maybe that's why I related to it. I'd sit sometimes with a skin condition and bother to read Job. <laughs> Didn't know why. Later on, I found out why, because I wound up in healing school and and you know, there's a lot of people all over the world that know a whole lot more about Paul's thorn and Job's boils and have a lot more faith in them than they do Jesus' stripes. And just a lot of confusion. What have you. But I, I mean, I read that book and I read that book and I looked at things and looked at things. And, and my, I kept thinking, well, the big question here is why did this happen? Because that's what his three friends and him kicked around for chapter after chapter. Why did it happen? Why did it happen? Why did it happen? Why did it happen? And after years, one day the Lord spoke to me on that, because I, I kept telling him, I said, well, Lord, that's the big question. He said, no, it's not. I said, it's not? He said, that's not the question. I said, well, I, you know, I see about his fear, and I see some of the things here, but there's just some things I don't see. He said, it's because I didn't put them in. You didn't put them in? He said, no, purposely I left them out. He said, because that's not the issue. I mean, you know, James gives you the thing you're supposed to get out of Job, right? That the Lord is, Job was patient and perseverant, and the Lord's very merciful. And uh, he said, no, that's not, that's not the issue. I said, what is the issue? He said, the issue is what you do when you don't know why. And I got it, began to get it, I'm still getting it. What do you, you know, there are a lot of things in life. You're not going to know why. You're not going to understand. Some things are going to seem unfair. It's not going to seem right. But let me tell you what will get you through the roughest, hardest places in life. You may look up sometimes and think, well, man, I was believing God for everything I knew. And I I thought they were believing God. And this didn't work right. or, Or why didn't God do this? Or why didn't this happen? Never, ever look up and go, why, God, why? You have no right to do that. That's unfaithfulness. That's questioning his character. You look up, even if you have to, through your questions, through your perplexity, through your tears, you look up and go, God, I don't know why. I don't understand this, but I know this. You're a good God. You're a faithful God. Your word is true. You've never failed me, and you never will. You'll never fail. I'm telling you, you're passing a test. That's the right answer. That's the right response. You're passing a test and God will bring you out. I'm telling you, he'll demonstrate to you. And as time goes on, you'll learn things. And when you do, you'll go, oh, no wonder. (laughs) But when you're close to it, you don't see it. There's always reasons why. You may not see them. 
And so when things would come up in the wilderness, instead of believing God, I mean, they have seen him deliver them from all the plagues that swept Egypt. They've seen him be there. He split the Red Sea. They've seen the fire. They've seen the cloud. They've seen provision, thing after thing. But the next time a problem comes up, they start griping. And they start talking about, we're all going to die out here. And the wrong answer. Uh, wrong. <laughs> wrong. You're going to flunk the test again. And they flunked it. And they flunked it. And they flunked it. You're not passing the test because you get thirsty. You're not, I mean, you're not failing the test because you get thirsty. You're not failing the test because you get hungry or because there's lack or because there's deficiency. Have the understanding to realize it's a test. I know what's happening here. It's a test. And I know the answer. You look up through your lack, through, through the stress, and you go, God, you are my God. You're a faithful God. I will be provided for. I will not lack. I will have plenty. You've split the Red Sea and you'll do it for me. You open the water, the rock and burn out the water. You'll satisfy me. You'll feed me. You'll answer faith. Answer the word and you're passing the test. God will smile and go pass them on. Show them the way to Canaan. Amen. And the smart person ought to get there quickly. We, we have a, a, a generation of young faith coming up. That if they'll get this, they can go very quickly. Hallelujah. They'll all have to go through the wilderness now. Through the test. But they can go through it quickly. Quickly. And live most of their life in the rest. This is glorious, friend. This is glorious. Glorious. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God, I'm already out of time here. Let me take just a little bit more. You give me a few and I'll take a few. And... Uh, go with me. He, he describes Canaan's land, which I really love to read down here before we turn to Exodus in verse uh, 7. Deuteronomy 8, he describes it. He said, the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys and hills. You ain't got to pump it out. It flows out by itself. A land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates and a land of oil, olive and, and honey. A land where you shall eat bread without scarceness. Now, if that's not prosperity, I don't know what is. You will not have any scarcity. That means you only have abundance. You shall not lack anything in it. Nothing. You'll lack nothing. This is Canaan's land. This is the rest. Hallelujah. He goes on to say a number of things I won't take the time to read, but just wonderful about Canaan's land and the rest. But go with me to Exodus, and I just want to give you one example in a few minutes remaining here of... The test, because, you know, uh, we can shout about this and be happy, but uh, what, before we go too far, I, I like to get results, don't you? Let, let's focus, let, let's get it. And, and now, I, I, I trust you're the same boat. I'm interested in what do you do to pass the test, yeah. right? Let's pass the test. First time. First time. Don't have to go back. Don't take it over. Just pass the test. Go to Canaan's land. Amen. Pass the test and go. 
No hindrances, no hang-ups. And in order to do that, we've got to learn how they blew it. That's why all this is given to us. And like I told you, there are ten specific times the Bible that God said. God said, they have tempted me these ten times, and none of them is going to see the land except Caleb. And later on mentioned Joshua. But Caleb, he says, got a different spirit about him. He's followed me wholly. I'm going to bring him in. He had the right answers. See, they, they didn't realize what the, you know, that they were on the final and tenth test. When the spies came back and they told them about the promised land, they have seen it. God's brought them through all this stuff in spite of their grumbling, in spite of their doubt, by his mercy. He sustained them. He's got them there at the border. It's here. Canaan, you can see it. It's there. And the spies have come back and confirmed everything God said. It is exceeding abundantly above what we asked or thought. But the giants in there. And they had the wrong, it was a test. And they said, we can't do it. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. You could have said, God can't get us out of Egypt, but he did. You could have said, God can't protect us from the plagues. He did. God can't deliver us out of the Red Sea. He did. God can't get water out of a rock. He did. God can't fly in fresh quail without an airplane. He did. God can't rain bread out of the sky. He did. By now, you should know. It's a very simple answer. Can we do it? Yeah. Can God do it? Yeah. That's the right answer. I like what, you know, one of the prophets, the Lord was showing him some things in a vision. And he said, do you understand what you've seen? What does this mean? Excuse me. That's the question he kept saying. What does this mean to the prophet? What does this mean? And finally he said, oh Lord, you know. (laughs) That's a good answer. I like that answer. That's a good answer. And the Lord asked you, can these bones live? Yeah. Lord, you you know. You can do anything. This is so simple. But this is how you pass the test. So simple. So simple. Can we pay our rent this month? Oh yeah. God can do it. This is the right answer. True. The answer is true. God can do it. And he'll do it. True. And you'd think after all this time, they would know the answer is true. But here, here's the Canaan's land. Can we go in? False. Ask all of them. How many think we can go into Canaan's land? How many, how many think that we can't go? And I mean millions of people put up their hands and said, I don't think we can. Can we go into Canaan's land? True or false? False. Millions of people. After seeing miracles, I mean you see the glory cloud hanging over the tent. The glory fire Bread falls out of the sky every day. Can God bring us in here? He brought us out of Egypt, brought us to the Red Sea, did all of Can God bring us? I don't think so. <laughs> now, friend, I wish your situation was as obvious as this is to you right now. I wish it was. You'd have it made. <laughs> but it's not. People are checking false all the time and they don't realize what they're doing. 
But they're doing the same thing that they did. And they flunked the test, so it comes up again, comes up again, comes up again. But there are ten major tests. And when they flunked that last one, God said, that's it. That's it. Tired of this? None of you going in except Caleb and Joshua. They had the right answer. Because I mean, when everybody said we can't do it, what did they stand up and say? No, the answer is yes. The answer is true. They said it is not. They said it is. It's true. We can do it. In fact, their defense is gone from them. We can take them. They're a piece of cake. They're bread for us. We can do it. The answer is yes. Yes. And it made the rest of them so mad, they wanted to kill them. Because they said the answer was yes instead of no. But they passed the test. And they did go in eventually. I said they did go in. They did go in. Real quickly, Exodus 16. Let me read this to you. And I don't have time to expand on it very much. But just listen. This, I'm just picking this out as one of the ten tests that they failed to give you a perfect example, especially in prosperity. How people flunk the test or, or pass them. This is the manna test. And boy, it's, a, it's such a perfect example of things that go on today. Everybody say the manna test. Amen. Now the one before it was the Mara test. And the one after it was the Masa and Meribah test. I don't know why they all start with M, but they do. But in, uh, not you know, that's just these ones that we've mentioned. In Exodus 16, they took their journey after, by the way, they flunked the Mara test. They flunked it big time. They went, th- they, you know, they went through the Red Sea. Uh, Miriam played the tambourine. They shouted. They had a hallelujah time. They went three days, no water, and they lost the victory totally. They came to a fountain, tried to drink it, couldn't drink it. And I mean, they lost their salvation right there. And they all ganged up on Moses and chewed on him and griped and grumbled and murmured and said, we're all going to die out here. Wrong answer. Flunked another test. Then they got to this one. And the whole congregation, verse 2, of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to him, would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots. We did eat bread to the full. We, we had... You know, they, we had it so good in Egypt. Man, you got a, a distorted memory. You were like, you were a piece of property. Beat, senseless, worked in the fields till you dropped, had nothing. Hey, you ever seen people romanticize the past? And it was lousy. And they talk about the good old days. Back when, huh? Verse 4, the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you and the people will go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they'll walk in my law or not. Now, did you hear this? That I may what? What's all this about? It's a test. Are you going to do what I tell you to do or not? This is the test in its simplest form. Are you going to do what I tell you to do or not? It came to pass that on the sixth day they should prepare that which they bring in. It'll be twice as much as they gather daily. Moses and Aaron said to the children of Israel, At even you'll know the Lord's brought you out from Egypt. In the morning you'll see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your murmurings against the Lord, which you, and what are we that you murmur against us? 
Moses said, This will be when the Lord will give you in the evening flesh to eat and the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your murmuring which you murmur against him. What are we? Your murmurings are not against us, but against the Lord. One key element that reveals your flunk in a test is when you start pressuring people for your problems. Blame shifting. See, I, I, I mean, when things went wrong, they started squeezing Moses. You led us out here. It's your fault. You got us into this mess. That is a, a, a first precursor, uh, an indication that you are flunking a test. When you start, I don't care if it's your husband, your wife, your pastor, your boss, whoever. When you start griping and thinking, or anybody, that they're my problem. They're holding me up. It's their fault that I'm in this mess. Faith puts no pressure on people. He spoke to the congregation. He said, come near for the Lord hears your murmurings. And it came to pass as Aaron spoke the whole congregation of children of Israel. They looked toward the wilderness. The glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spake to Moses. He said, I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel. Speak to them saying, at even you'll eat flesh. In the morning you'll be filled with bread. And you'll know that I'm the Lord. Came to pass that even quails came up and covered the camp. In the morning the dew lay round about the host. When the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as hoarfrost on the ground. When the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, It is manna, or the margin says, What is it? And a lot of times people's answer shows up and they don't know it. Moses had to tell them, This is the bread that God said He's going to give you. Oh, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating, and omer for every man. And so they did in verse 18. He that gathered much had nothing over. He that gathered little had no lack. And that's quoted in 2 Corinthians 8. And there's a whole sermon there in application of that. But Moses said, now, now here, here's the manna test. Moses said, let no man leave of it till morning. Now here's the manna test. God said, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to take care of you. I hear you grumbling. Holler about you don't have anything to eat. I'm going to feed you. He brought them fresh quail. And he said, I'm going to give you bread. And then he told them, go gather it. Now what do you do? It's a test. You go gather it. They did. And they found out that it worked out perfect. Everybody had just what they needed. Now, they didn't have abundance, surplus, because they're not in Canaan's land yet. This is, this is wilderness. But everybody had just what they needed. And then he said, the next, the next part of it was, don't keep any of it overnight. This is a test. Now, you got no food. There is no grocery store nearby. What would be your natural tendency? Because from all that you can see, if I eat this, I got nothing that I know of tomorrow. And so he said, uh, when you get through eating, throw the rest of it away. Now, there would have been a lot of Christians that would have hollered, wasteful, that's just wasteful. We're out here in the desert, we got nothing. You're going to throw it away? God gave it to you. And you're going to throw it away? If he said throw it away. Now, a lot of times in application with us, it's give it away. Anybody ever been to a place where you didn't know where the rest was coming from tomorrow and he told you to give what you had away? I've been there numerous times. Hmm? 
Just about time you had a good start on something in the bank that you're going to, you know, believe in for something. And the Lord said, sow that. And you're thinking, I'm supposed to close that deal and just to look. Sow it. Manifest. Hmm? It all depends on how tired are you of struggling with this. If you're smart and you know what's going on, you'll just pitch it all out. You'll be glad you throw it away. Why? Because I'm going to Canaan's land. I can stay out here and wander around if you want to, but I make up your mind. And what did they do? Moses said, don't leave any of it to the morning. Eat it or throw it away. Notwithstanding, they hearken not. <laughs> Wrong answer. But they left it till the morning and it bred worms and stank. How many know you hold on to something that you're supposed to get rid of? It's going to breed worms and stink. It's going to be a pain to you. You're going to wish you'd have given it away. I always say, boy, there's sermons on every, every verse here, aren't there? I said, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, come on. Keep going. And uh, Moses was wroth with them. And, of course, this anger that Moses was portraying was exemplifying the Lord. And they gathered it every morning, and every man according to his eating, and when the sun waxed hot, it melted. Isn't that something? God set it up so that it's only going to last just enough for the meals. You can't get any extra. You can't put it up. Why? Because it's a manifest. What's all this about? Learning faith. Trusting me. But where's it going to come from? God. Can you relax? Can you rest? Can you believe that the same one who fed you today and all your yesterdays is going to feed you tomorrow? Then you can turn loose of it. Right? And it goes on to say, they went out and they gathered on the sixth day twice as much as what they'd been gathering because the Lord told them that's what he's going to do. And the Lord said, tomorrow is the rest day. It's what the Lord said. Bake what you're going to bake today. Seethe what you seethe. And that which remains over, lay up. Now today, save it. You understand there are no, we're never going to come out with a 90 volume set of what to do in every situation. No, the only way to do this is to be led by the Spirit of God. Because there will be times when he says, go get it. Other times he says, don't go get it. Give it away. Save it. How do you pass the test? Doing what he told you to do. Right? So he said, uh, keep that for the next day. And they laid it up till the morning, verse 24, as Moses said, and it did not stink, and there was no worms in it. Because God was in it. And Moses said, eat that today. Today's the Sabbath and to, and to the Lord. And today you shall not find in the field. Six days you gather it. On the seventh day, it's the rest. See, all this is about the rest. Hallelujah, there is a rest which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none. And it came to pass that there went out some of the people on the seventh day together. Uh. <laughs> <clears throat> mm. <laughs> and guess what? They found none. And the Lord said to Moses, now this is the Lord talking, how long 
You see, the Lord's getting tired of this, isn't he? It's very simple. A two-year-old could understand this. Go get it. Now, don't go get it. Throw it away. Now, keep it. Man, we think this is as humorous as it sounds to me. That's why I kept, I, I said, Lord, what's wrong with these people? He said, they're a lot like y'all. It's so plain and obvious to us in this kind of setting looking at the Word, but this is, this is going to come up to you Monday and Tuesday. How much you know what I'm saying? You, you've already had some man test. I don't know what you did with them. But let's pass the man test. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's do the right thing. When the Lord says, you know, do it, you do it. Whatever he says, you, you just, like, like Mary said, you know, whatever he says to you, do it. That's the thing. And the answer to questions tonight in this place, this is an answer for me. And I'm just sharing what the Lord's ministered to me because it's, it's for you as well. The struggle, a lot of why we are not at some places already is because we haven't passed the test. And as soon as we pass the test, then we get into the rest. We'll get there. Amen? And so instead of kind of being frustrated and aggravated and think we're waiting on God, and God, how long is it going to be before we get to a better place than this and more rest than this, he would, he would love to have seen us already in Canaan's land. Many, I mean, if you got saved three days ago, we're not talking about you, but you still, you got to go through the wilderness, but, but a lot of us could have been a lot further down the road Hmm? If we had passed certain tests, it had, some of them we have passed, but we took them 38 times before we did. Right? But say it out loud with me one more time. There is, there is a rest to the people of God. And I, for one, am purposed. I have that spirit of faith like Caleb. Like Joshua, to follow God fully, to obey Him, and to pass the tests. Stand up, and I'm going to pray over you. And I want you to release your faith and believe God in this prayer. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Master. In fact, let me lead you. You just pray this out loud in the first part of this prayer. Father God, thank you for your spirit and for your word. Open my eyes. Help me to see tests I have failed and tests I have passed. Help me to see any problem areas. Give me revelation and show me the right response, the correction for the problem. And lead me in the most direct route to Canaan's land. Help me to follow the most direct path and pass the tests. And enter in to the glorious rest 
that belongs to the people of God. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands and thank Him a little bit. Lift your hands. Thank Him. Hallelujah. Oh, bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.